With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. The podcast is back. Thursday, how do you feel, Sims? I feel okay. I gotta pump the energy because you are always just underwhelmed. Yeah, well, my favorite time of the week. It's coming. What's that? When we're done with the podcast. Right after the podcast. But actually, it might be my second favorite actually, time of the week because of that little shimmy you just did. Oh, dude, I got, some, I got some fries with that chick, dude. Oh, Serious my gosh. Stuff. Adam Lufko, ready to roll. Chris Sims, ready to roll. Producer Josh, ready to roll. Josh is trying to figure out audio stuff. Oh, right yeah. Now. He's all fresh today. He only no, had to work good. a half day, so we're he good. just we're got good. here. We're good. So cool. Half day. Here at Bleacher Until Report. Until 2 in the morning. Yeah, we I are. I don't know if is your mic working. It's working. Yeah, okay. Can you hear I me okay? Know. I know. I hear you because I'm in the room with you, okay. but not on my earphones. Uh, that's all that matters. Yeah, okay. my fear is with all these audio issues, our guest, we're not going to be able to hear him. It's going to be an issue. And the reason I'm worried is because I'm so excited about who the guest is. Yeah. Long time guy that we have seen in the media landscape now for a very long time, Michael Wilbon. Our, our main man, one of the heads over here at Bleacher Report, Mike Morrell, producer, hooked it up. He used to work on PTI for, a, I don't know, a decade or something like that. Is it that long? Yeah, so wow. we, got a, we got a lot of stuff. He gave us the heads up on some things that Wilbon doesn't like. We will pepper him with those early on because I think I'd like – I'm a little bit nervous. I want to agitate Wilbon to when he's, like, really interesting, but I don't want him to hate me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when he comes on, I'm going to be like, hey, I hear you don't like this. What do you think about it? But I also don't want him to be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, he seems like a pretty pretty cool guy as far as uh, not being too picky with the stuff like that. You can have fun with him, at least when I watch PTI. Yeah. PTI is one of the few shows on ESPN that I will watch other than SportsCenter. Other than that, it's I don't like it. Uh, but, yes, he is – I think he's one of the better sports reporters out there just for his sort of opinion sure. and fact-based opinion. That's what I like about him. A lot of people I know sent in some questions and all that to Twitter. Our Twitter is at Sims and Lefko. Again, if you would, subscribe to us on iTunes. Live a, leave a favorable rating. That would be so nice. Um, it, it's been an interesting week in the NFL. They had the owners' meetings out there in Arizona. A lot of talk, a lot of coaches. My coach, Chip Kelly, continues to seemingly lie through his teeth about everything. I am, I'm, I love it. I but when love have it. you known head coaches to really tell the truth? That's that, a very good point. Yeah, right. Um, but a, a lot of stuff's come out. One of the things that I'm really interested in is this notion of Phillip Rivers and Mariota um, and this concept that the second pick in the draft – Tennessee could trade it to San Diego and get Phillip Rivers back, and Mariota then plays for San Diego. What do you, what do you think of all this stuff? Well, I, you know, I'm patting myself on the back. I, I think we were one of the first ones to say it. Now, we didn't have any merit. No one was telling us that. Uh, but connecting the dots with Wisenhunt being there, who was his offensive coordinator in right. San Diego just a few years ago, uh, from that part of the country, Decatur, Alabama, I believe, which is like an hour-and-a-half drive from Nashville – uh, and then since then, uh, I, I think it's very real because you I've do heard, think it's real. I do. Yeah, the rumors I've heard from some of the people around the NFL is that it is very real that Philip Rivers uh, does want to get back to that part of the country, the southeast, basically where he grew up. I love that when people um, talk about Philip Rivers, they're always like, "You need to understand, this is a man with seven children, and if he says something, he means it." Yeah, and he wears the tie, the uh, yeah, I don't know, polo what tie, right, right. Um, but it, it's so funny because. When you think of unique players in the NFL, he's a unique player in the NFL. There is no one that's like him. Like, there are Southern-based quarterbacks. There's guys from Texas. There's guys from, you know, that part of the country. 
but he is just crazy. Man. No, he's uh, he's awesome. I feel like he's like a Sims almost because he's like kind of a <laughs> he's kind of a red ass. Like you know, he likes to pick fights on the field. Yeah, I uh, used to talk crap to Jay Cutler and Did the Denver really? Brown. Oh yeah, that, they had a huge feud. So uh, you were on the sidelines. Not even no, not even on the sidelines. This is just I was on you know this. If you look back on the computer or whatever else, yeah, a few years back, oh, he was r- razzing Jay Cutler from the sidelines and talking crap to the oh Bronco God, offense, that's right, and that's right. It was make you know because the Broncos kept losing to the Chargers last game of the year to go to the playoffs right, and all those right. things. Uh, but yeah, Philip Rivers plays the game with a, an intensity that's rare at quarterback, and he's not the most talented guy to ever play quarterback either, but tough. Uh, unbelievable in pocket, throwing with people on his back, whatever else. And uh, I, th- I think it's going to happen. I think if it's San Diego, it's got to happen. It has to. Why? Because you can't, be, you can't roll the dice and being left in the dark without a quarterback next year. If he doesn't want to restructure his deal right. or extend it, okay, and he's going to play this year out. Sure. And so let's just say they go 9-7 and seven and don't make the Dude, playoffs. it sounds like the thunder with Kevin Durant. It sounds like the heat with LeBron where it's like, if you don't get anything for this guy and he just leaves. Get something. But the crazy thing is he's like 34 years old. Yeah, he's getting up there. And at 34 in December, uh, Mariota made for the West Coast. I think that's a marriage oh, made yeah. in heaven, you know, in San Diego. Uh, and I, I really think that if I'm San Diego, I would cover my own butt. Right, Just so in that, case. That's a story that I think will be interesting because that will shake up the draft completely. I'm curious. You are on the phones. In addition to watching a crazy amount of film, you're on the phones. You're talking with guys at different um, franchises across the NFL. What are NFL teams doing right now with the draft? Is, are, is their draft board done? Where, where are they in their progress? Yeah, I think it depends on the, the team you're talking about. I think uh, a lot of draft boards are getting close to being finalized nonetheless. Um, there are some teams I think that are a little maybe farther along than others, yeah. like the New England Patriots. You think they're ahead of everybody? Uh, yeah, I think their preparation starts a while back, and they dive in pretty deep. Um, I think most teams, though, at this point, are looking at your later round gems, trying to find those guys. They're even. So you think they are teams already know who they're targeting in the first round? Well, they certainly know their needs, and they are certainly gathering their game plan of okay, we like this guy and this guy at pick. 22 let's right, say right 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 uh and then they're formulating their plans as far as if okay he's not there if he's not there and this team picks our other guy where are we going to go from there yes that's all in the process of being finalized right now that was one of the things i really wish i got to be a part of in new england because i had to sit right outside that room in my little cubby hole with no windows <laughs> uh in the new england dungeon there but uh, of yeah, course. what were you do- like? So they're sitting there and they're going over all the contingency plans. Yeah, right and now. Bill's going in the big room with a screen that no one is allowed to see that has a key lock. What do you? T- what? Yeah, what does that mean? A, he a screen, so like a dry erase board, huge, the size so of a wall. So he like turns a key, and then the screen and a will thing come up drops and down. down, and that has all of his information. Yes, where he's ranking players, and, concerns, and it's it's a key lock. And left. no one can see it. Only him and, uh, you know, pro personnel had their Nick Casario. They're the only two guys that had privy. Wow. Yes. Yes. And draft day there, only Bill, Nick Casario, Mr. Kraft were the only guys in the draft room. So they And uh, their head of college scouting. Do you think Bill Belichick is paranoid? Or do you think that he's, like, because being a super protective to yeah, a point, becomes paranoid. Yeah, I think he is paranoid. I don't think he wants anybody to really know what he's thinking. And as we know, uh, the coaching circle is a very close world. The word, I believe, is incestual. Right. And I think there is a little part of him that goes, we're my organization, we're better off with not all my coaches and scouts. I don't need everybody to know. They don't know. need to know because chances are one of them is going to talk to somebody and tell them. Have you ever heard them. a story – of uh, the reason I always bring up Belichick, one that you work there, but I think he's the most fascinating coach in almost all of sports. I put him up there with Popovich in terms of the way they see things is just always successful, right? And they're just different. Have you ever heard of a story of someone in that organization letting something slip or letting it get out and then seeing him deal with it? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I, I can't say specifically. No, I, I have not. Not up in New England. I can't wow. think of one. Have where you have you heard of another organization dealing with that? I have. 
I yes, I've had many many instances of other organizations dealing with that figuring out who the rat was within their organization. Really, hold yeah. on, we have our own. We're having rat. bad news. No, not bad news. Okay. I just talked to Will Bond. He needs seven minutes. He's just finishing something up in his office, and we're actually watching him on TV right now, which is really crazy. That is cool. weird. nice coat today. But yeah, uh, yeah. I like it. we'll comment on that. Yeah, seven seven minutes. We're gonna call Will Bond. All right, back. hold on. I want to hear more about these rats. Was there ever? Are there any famous stories in the NFL about a rat being caught, or it's just like super embarrassing? Uh. You know, I, I the the ones I know. Well, no, of course. I mean, this year it was a public one, right? Aaron Cromer, offensive line coach for oh, the Chicago yeah. Bears, offensive coordinator, I think was his title, and he talked behind Jay Cutler's back to the media, an, an anonymous source on the Bears coaching but staff. But see, that's like someone saying that someone's not good. I guess what I'm thinking about with the draft is like information that's so important because it's like your draft board is sacred. Because if other, if other people know where you're going to go, well, now they have they know two teams. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I can't say I have heard it directly related to the draft, but yeah. I've heard about information within the building getting leaked out, and then the it's head crazy. coach or the GM. They figure out who it is. Oh, my gosh. And then, yes, that person's fired after the year. Oh, man. Yes. I just feel like Belichick would be more ruthless than just being fired. Yeah, he might be. Well, the great like thing about Bill is he closes soul. you off from the rest of the NFL anyways. So most of those guys in that building don't have many friends around the NFL because you're not allowed to talk to the other team before the game. He doesn't want the coaches or anybody from the scouting department having any conversations on the field with the other team's scouting department. So he One pretty thing much that you told you me before that I thought was fascinating was – so in the regular world, there is something sacred about lunch. When people go on lunch, it's oh. like their vacation. I watch people in this office. I've seen it in every other office. When that clock is getting closer to noon, people are looking around. They stop doing work. They're looking, where do you want to go? What do you want to get? And it's that vacation in the middle of the day. It's that release. And I asked you, what's lunch like at the Patriots? And you were like, dude, you don't get to eat with other people. No, that's that's the rule. If you're a coach or you work in the front office, it's get your lunch and go back to your desk and do more work. How did you – did they tell you that? Uh-huh. They did. They specifically told me that. I mean, they told me a lot of stuff, uh, especially early on there. Like, oh, don't talk to him. Don't talk to the players. Uh, but, yes – uh, you know, George Gotsey, who's the quarterback coach now down with the Houston Texans, he was kind of the guy that was in charge of me. He was the tight ends coach there. Sure. And he would always kind of, like, lay the rules down. He'd be like, oh, Sims, 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 you're not allowed to work out at 1230 during the day. You, you work out at the end of the day when all the work's done, then you can go work out. That's what I Oh, think did you, like, say. work out one time and there was other people around? Right. Well, yes, right, exactly right. And, yeah, they didn't – you know, I was the bitch boy, the low man on the totem pole, and – they knew there was work to be done around 1230 that yeah. I hadn't done my long list of stuff. So <laughs> now you work until it's all over. And then when the day's but, over, you can go in and get so, your work So out. he tells you lunch, take it and go back to your desk. Take it, go back to your desk. There's certainly something you can do there to finish up your work, help the team, whatever it is. And they just don't want you sitting there in long conversations with the players. Uh, they don't probably don't want that personal relationship. Uh, with guys in the front office or assistant coaches with players also probably don't want information that maybe Bill just doesn't want the players knows yeah. no leaking out into conversation yeah just those kind of things uh, I think Bill has a very nice fine line of keeping it professional yet your position coach your it's he's plenty personable enough to go in there and talk to him like a man or Bill so here was what's so fascinating to me is here is a man that in a way, if you separate yourself from it, Sims, dehumanizes people to their role. This is your job. Do your job. And yet everyone that's worked for him or around him not only respects him, but I think has a partial love with him because they see how much he cares. How do those two things coexist? Yeah, well, I think they see how much they, – you start to see his, his – personal caring for people on his staff he really does care for people he does care for players yeah um, but yes i mean one of the first signs when you walk in the door in new england is what you just said do your job really yes um so that is just an emphasis of everything on the tom brady to whatever the lowest man on the totem pole which was me uh it just doesn't matter uh and i think the other thing too is bill doesn't lie he's going to shoot you straight always you can respect that you have to respect the results the work ethic the guys that leave there they leave there and a lot of times they want to leave there because they're like holy cow i got to get out of here i haven't had a life since i got to new england i've been working 24 <laughs> 7 my whole life 
like they just leave because they just can't handle they're they're ready to move on somewhere else just take a little hey i got i want a better job and i want a little less work uh so they get out of there because bill is going to grind you to death bill is a navy midshipman that's where he grew up yeah that's the way he believes get on the grind and that's just that's part of his life. That's why no one's out working Bill. I, I don't care who you today. are. I said, do you think Bill takes a vacation? Do you think Bill actually so he goes takes to the Czech Republic? He goes to the, not the Czech Republic. I think you Croatia. told me that. Oh, Croatia. Croatia almost every summer for two weeks. Does Nantucket. He plays golf. Uh, he does a few Florida trips. Is Bill Belichick good at golf? I don't know about it if he is or not. Uh, are you good at golf? I'm just okay. I don't play a lot. I probably play four rounds a year, maybe. Yeah. You know, in the summer, just hitting it around, whatever. As long as I got legs, I'm playing basketball in my free time. Steve Nelson, he plays golf. He'll be on a little bit later on the down low. Uh, we're going to get Wilbon on in a few minutes. Uh, I want to kind of preview. We talked about this before. What we're going to do next week, I'm very excited about. There is this notion around this time, around the draft, where mock drafts, I know fans out there, I know football fans, I know we do this because I did this for a long time. I put a lot of stock into mock drafts. As right. a fan, you do. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, is you, you look and if every mock draft has the Eagles taking Landon Collins at 20, I expect us to take Landon Collins at 20. <laughs> right. And what I think is really funny is, is as a guy that watches all the film and studies all the depth charts, you're looking at some mock drafts and going, this doesn't make any sense. And what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to compile all the mock drafts that are out there, the recent ones, from Mel Kuyper to Todd McShay to our own Matt Miller to Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network. I'm going to get them all, and I'm going to break them down. I I want to go one through maybe 32. I think we can get a good pace on it. And just kind of go, what do you think about this pick, and who do you really think they're going to take? So the Chris Sims podcast mock draft. Okay, cool. I like that. A mock cast, a pod draft. (laughs) The this entirely assumes that Chris is still interested in doing a podcast next week. Which yeah, are you still down? Most likely I won't be. Okay. I will not do a podcast next week if the audio is this bad. Yeah, I, I can't, can't hear, hear myself talk. I can't hear you or anything. What you can't hear yourself talk, Josh? Huh? I'm going to no. have to – maybe I'll have to call Mark and get him in here because clearly I'm not capable. I'm telling you. So you're going to go call Wilbon? All right. You're going to go call Wilbon. Um, and then after this, we're going to talk – we're going to talk about two guys that you think could be the best of their position that no one's talking about in the draft. Uh, really quick – what is your prediction on Adrian Peterson? Because the dude on his 30th birthday came out on a camel and a turban. And meanwhile, everyone's fighting where is he going to go, where is he going to go. Where do you think he ends up? Huh. I, I guess it's going to be all about what teams are willing to give up for him. I do think he's going to be out of Minnesota. Should fans care about where Adrian Peterson ends up? Yes, he's one of the three greatest running backs of all time. They should. Okay. Yeah. So you think immediately instant impact. I do. I think he's still Do you think got, there's any chance that Dallas, because they only signed Darren McFadden, may, maybe still is I would like to say yes, but the problem is, is can Dallas pay him $10 million a year? Cause after, I, do, I think he wants more than that. Man. Exactly right. So yeah. I just don't – I don't see how it could happen with all the other guys out there making big-time money. Yeah. Adrian Peterson, uh, we know he has a lot of children as well. I'm not judging or anything. Right, right, right. other women, so I'm sure he's got to support them. And he should. He's still got a lot of good years left. And you take all the money you can get at the NFL because you only got one chance to the get The crazy it. thing with Adrian Peterson for me is – Raiders, though, would be my choice. Oh, Raiders. The thing with Adrian Peterson that's interesting to me is I heard some people saying that the Minnesota Vikings, like that he, the relationship is bad, uh, and apparently it stems from when all the the advertisers started to pull out. They, I don't, they didn't, they didn't really support him completely, but apparently he wants more money than his current contract, which is around like fifteen million. That to me is crazy. You did not play last year because of your fault, and you want more money. I don't understand that. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure he looks at DeMarco and LaShawn McCoy. He sees LaShawn McCoy, and he goes, I'm better than LaShawn McCoy. I want every bit as much as he does. Right, right. Uh, so that's the issue. Yeah, I think it is hard for him to ask for more money at this point, having not played. Yes, and your 30-year-old running back. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see how this all plays out because I just get the feeling he wants nothing to do with the Vikings. The Vikings were not did not seem all that supportive until lately. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's I, sort of, and I don't know, are they being supportive because they want him, or are they being supportive because they don't want to look like the team that's pushing him out? And he's probably the favorite player of a whole generation of Vikings fans, and the last thing you want to do is separate from him. And, I mean, he's truly, they're a team that's on the rise. They got a lot of stuff. I mean, down the stretch of the year last year, all they were missing was a running back. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't schooled up right. hitting on all you know P's and Q's yet as a rookie quarterback. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, Adrian Peterson would be very valuable to that team. I mean, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon uh, I like him, but he's a number two back. He's yeah. not your number one bell cow. All right. Hit us up with a question, Josh. All right, yeah, we actually had a couple questions. Uh, I'm going to go back to Mark Agent, who actually – or Bajent, excuse me. He said his last name rhymes with the word agent. Uh, I like Mark. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He brings, the, he brings the questions every week, which is He nice. does his job. Uh, if, like you had to, if you had to pick one non-football sport to be a stud in, what would it be? One non-football sport to be a stud in. I know what my answer is. What is it? Golf. Really? I want to be the best golfer in the world. Yeah, I'd be basketball. Yeah? Yeah, I want to be basketball. I want to be LeBron James or... Yeah, basketball so. was my first thought. You know what creeped into my mind? I couldn't believe it was baseball. I just thought about... Because for me, I was never able to... And I was actually talking about this today. I was never able to stand in the batter's box and and see it and place it at, at high speeds with like big-time pitching. I couldn't do it. Right. And I think it's also like... You know, 7th, 8th grade, you start facing pitchers. That's when I first got contacts, and I think that, that messed me up a little bit. Sure. That, and I think I got panged one time. Well, yeah, like, and you oh, got, no. like you said, you start to face pitchers who not only are starting to throw it kind of hard in 7th and 8th grade, but then they probably could start throwing a curveball, too, oh, so that, you see yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, right. there's just something about cracking a home run that I think is... It's pretty special. That's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. But also, if I was a stud basketball player, man, dunking on somebody exactly. is a better feeling than that. No doubt about it. I mean, that's I look at that sometimes and just go, man, what does it feel like to be my, oh. you know, Russell Westbrook just weaving through traffic? Oh, let me do right hand tomahawk on somebody, bam. I, mean, I think we've talked about awesome. this before, but like dunking on someone and then like completely hitting somebody across the middle in football, like because scoring a touchdown, I don't think would feel like that unless unless you did something where like we've seen with Jalen Strong goes up like catches over somebody you know what I mean yeah no I I know what you mean I think those are demoralizing things I feel like why does it feel so good to demoralize it's I don't think it's so much in basketball anymore because so many people dunk every game I think it's kind of lost it's like oh man they're dunking on us we're in trouble Uh, I mean (laughs) everybody you know everybody's doing that now but I do think going over the middle and getting your head ripped off that will not only the other team will be like, oh, geez, they're physical. It's and a for game real. changer. It is, and that's why the Seattle Seahawks are who they are because they put tremendous fear in the team they play. All right, we're still waiting on Wilbon. I want to talk about um... – Hey, tell him to pardon the interruption. <laughs> We'd like to get his butt on here. What would be really funny is give, give me Wilbon's number. Let me buker him. I'll call him, and I'll answer. It'll be great. He, uh, he said he's getting some technical stuff figured out in his office right now. Okay. Uh, he's working with the IT guys. Yeah, so, yeah. Gotta, that's code word for yeah. I don't want to do a freaking Bleacher Report <laughs> podcast. Uh, you're not burning your, your curse word there? Uh, nope. No, nope. save it, save it, save it. Got to wait it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to do, do one of your underrated sleepers in the draft. I think people like to hear this. Um, everyone's talking about Kevin White. At wide receiver. Everyone's talking about Amari Cooper. Yeah. And you see a guy out there, I've already said his name, that you think, if everything works well, potentially could be better than those two. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I think that Jalen Strong has an unbelievably high ceiling. Jalen Strong, wide receiver, Arizona State, uh, big time, 6'2", what, 220, right, 220. Yeah. Uh, four, four, came four. out there around a four 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 forty. Not a lot of people expected. What have you seen on tape that makes you think he might end up being the best one? Well, uh, his hands. I think his hands are the best, especially in traffic you down think he the, the field. Best hands in the draft. I do. Jump balls, just purely hand strength uh, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, like I said to you yesterday too. Now he's raw as a route runner, but man, did he improve from the season just to the combine? The drills he ran in the combine. I know it's limited. Uh, but I have the tape of the combine drills. I mean, it's I couldn't get over how much better of a route runner he was just a month and a half after the season was over. So he, he obviously worked on that. And the thing I said to you yesterday, I think uh, size and power at the receiver position 
can translate a little bit better in the NFL than they can in college because you have more creative offensive coordinators. They're going to know how to get the ball into his hands. You're going to have quarterbacks that know how to throw the ball accurately and get it to him on time. So now he can catch it, turn around. Oh, there's a safety coming on. Let me stiff arm him and now let me pull away and run away. This kid can do those kind of things. He can break tackles. He's got a little quickness in the Where open field. Where do you field. expect him to go in the draft? I think he's going to go somewhere between 15 and 20, I would say. But if he's got all these tools, to why wouldn't he go earlier? Why wouldn't he go, you know, like a 12 to Cleveland? Well, because or... he's not a slam dunk, and it, that's, you know, the, the raw aspect of there. Yeah, he is not as good as Kevin White or Amari Cooper at this stage or Devontae Parker. He's you just, don't think he's as good no, as No, right he's not as good as any of those three right now. But he's a guy to look out for because I just think he had bad quarterback play at Arizona State as far as throwing the football. I think if he gets a little more well-rounded to the position and gets in the right spot, he's going to be a really tough matchup for any corner because he's just so big, and yet he's going to be able to scare you with his long speed as well. Because you said he, he might have the most potential. Does Kevin White have the most potential? Yeah, I would. I feel like he has the most tools. Uh, yeah, there. Yes, Kevin White probably has the most potential at the position. Uh, again, but you don't see Kevin White break tackles. I, that's what scares me about. That's the one thing I don't like about Kevin White. I watch Kevin White. He only gets yards after the catch when it's just straight in front of him and the C parts. Never really makes people miss in space. Never breaks tackles. A little bit like Kelvin Benjamin last year, if you remember. Remember I said that about Kelvin Benjamin. Well, I would never expect Kelvin wherever White you to get caught the ball, to. you could just spot it. Now, Kevin White, if he catches it on the run, his, his straightaway speed is it's for real. It's four, I mean, three, it's 4 five. Three, five, right. Uh, but I don't think he plays like 4-3-5. And, uh, yes, his ability to make people miss, not as good as Devontae Parker and not even on the same planet as Amari Cooper. I will give you credit. I think it is so funny when we do a video and you say Amari Cooper over Kevin White and then I see all these mock drafts at all these other places – now have Amari Cooper and not Kevin White. I will say it's very funny when we do a video and Vic Beasley is your number one edge rusher. And, and then, then three days later, the mock all, drafts. Happen. All of a sudden, look at all these mock drafts and Vic Beasley is the number one pass rusher. I, I, you know, I'm not saying I know it all, but I work at it. And, uh, you know, I want to do the mock drafts the right Amari now. Cooper, so excited. The I Amari love mock Cooper drafts. thing. I, I think when people, if they just would sit back and think about things every now and then, yeah, I understand. Kevin White is most talented, maybe has the highest ceiling. Him, Jalen Strong, they're right up there. Uh, but you got to evaluate the big picture, and I think that's what sometimes some of these draft experts, they just look at, oh, who's the best player? We're going to put him at four. They need a receiver? We need the best receiver. Yeah. Okay, Amari Cooper's just a slight bit less than Kevin White. Yeah. He's like an inch shorter. He's almost as fast. He's definitely a better route runner. He's definitely quicker. He's better with the ball in his hands. And he's been in a pro-style offense. I just think there's less questions about him. And I think that's the logic you know, that people thought of when they finally saw it because they said, oh, yeah, they need somebody that can play and be big time now. They can't me, wait. Let me ask you about this. Who's the wide receiver from UCF? Uh, the Perryman kid. Brashard. Brashard Perryman, Perryman, yes. Ran a reported, what, 4-2-6 at his pro day? Right, which I hate. And I'm seeing everyone on TV. I'm seeing everyone talk about, oh, my God, 4-2-6. He could be a first-round pick. What's your honest take when you hear that? My, well, it's so ridiculous. First of all, I'm so, I don't want to hear about your pro day 40 time. If you don't run at the combine, then you don't get a 40 time. Tough crap. I don't want to hear unless you have an injury because it's always going to be faster at your pro day. It's not laser-timed. And I don't care if this kid runs four flat. He's the horrible route runner. He can't catch the ball. And there was times when Central Florida didn't even make him the featured receiver. So that would scare me altogether. It's just incredible to me as the process goes on and the media gets a hold of things. We watch things evolve and our opinions change every yeah. two seconds. Yeah. You know what doesn't change? A guy that's been a sports writer for 35 years. A guy that's been a columnist for 25 years. He's been on PTI for 15 years. And to be honest, when you golf with Barack Obama, you are just – I'm going to use my curse right now. You are a bad ass. Man, and golf twice with him, right? I don't – Mr. Wilbon is now joining <laughs> us. Mike, I, did, how many times have you golfed with the president? I don't know, but it's still single digits. But, okay. Uh, okay. That's a lot more than me. Five or, five or six times, something like that. We've been pretty frequent partners. I'm honored. Believe me, it's still shocked whenever I get the call. Wow. I mean, what, what, what's he just, you know, quick. You don't have to dive too much into it. But this is Chris Sims, by the way. Glad to have you on, Mike. Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on. You're a lot bigger, uh, more big time than we are here at Bleacher Report. 
Um, no, I'm not buying that at all. I, not to mention that your father would just frown upon you here saying that. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. But, yeah, I want to hear about, you know, Barack Obama. What's he like as a guy when you play a round of golf? I mean, anything funny that you could share with us or just, just how is he as a normal guy? Well, he's a sports fanatic. Right. And so, and, and I will say this, it sounds obnoxious on some level. We go back uh, long enough that he wasn't the president, he wasn't even the he wasn't even a senator when I first met right. uh, the president, and we were a couple of South Side Chicago guys. And so our rounds of golf would bore the daylights out of you two guys because our conversation, which angers Mr. New York Tony Kornheiser, our conversation in one of those carts, and I'm usually with the president, is uh, it's about, you know, White Sox and bears and bulls, and that is what we talk about. You know, it sounds like Chicago sports talk radio. So wait, but how and do you go through a lot that? Of that because... A lot, but a lot of a lot of despair over Derrick Rose. Just to oh, pick a topic, uh, I feel bad for Derrick Rose, man. Well, what, what? So how do you how do you guys do with that White Sox conversation? Because you're a Cubs <laughs> fan, right? So how does that? Believe go? me, I have, to, I have to take so much stuff. I mean, <laughs> two two guys that I certainly. We'll call my friends are the president and Kenny Williams, who of course is the president of the White Sox, was the GM of the team that won in 2005, and they know I'm from the South Side. And and Doc Rivers, another Chicago and all White Sox fans who give it to me. They, I mean, there's no, I just go into rope a dope uh, with the president for about five hours. So I, I'm hoping that this year, but you know, the White Sox had as good an off season as the Cubs did. But oh, call ended. You're going to have to call him back. See what happens when we use your iPhone? Yeah, man, that phone stinks. Good job, Josh. That is shocking because you have full power. Hello? Uh, hey, what's going on? What just okay, – okay, apparently we're – there's an email telling us we have Disney phone issues. So we can – we just pick it up right there, can't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we're absolutely. fine. Don't worry. Okay, good. So, you know, it's five hours with the, the president. And whenever I go co- when I go cover a Clippers game, I got to go on a rope of dope, especially if they win because Doc is feeling good and he's – feeling good about his White Sox. So I got to just, just take gas all the time with these guys. Kenny Williams uh, was to the president of the team. And I don't root against the White Sox. I really don't. I, I'm not going to root against a team that says Chicago on the chest of the uniform. And I'm not going to root against a team that plays where I grew up. Where I, used, I mean, I went to the ballpark all the time. and um, But I became a Cub fan years ago, and I'm happy to be a Cub fan despite the misery. And I'm sort of optimistic about this season. I am, too. I'm kind of a closet case Cub fan just because I'm sick of everybody taking shots of them. And I was in Tampa, of course, playing football down there and got to meet, you know, your new skipper there, Madden. Uh, That's a few right. Times. And uh, I just can't think enough uh, of the guy. I think he, the way he handles himself and players awesome. is top notch. Chris, we'll take all the support we can get from whatever quarters. So we're happy to have you aboard. <laughs> You're, you got my support. As long as you don't mess with Good. my Yankees, you, you, got, you got my support. <laughs> Well, if we get that far, then I'll I, listen. I'll just <laughs> offer prayers at that point. I'll, I'll be I'll be the happiest person you can be. It's been a long. It's been more than a half a century. I've rooted for this team, and um, and it, you know it's a, it, it, it's a lot of misery. We're just hoping there's some payoff at some point before we die. So our guy Mike Morell, who you worked with a long time, we were lucky enough to take him, and I'm not giving him back because I love Morell so much. He also was nice enough to give us the list of things that you're not maybe the most fond of. So I want to do some rapid fire until we do a bleach report. Morell, that traitor. Oh, he's he's the best. Would you rather go to Vancouver, but you got to stay in the hotel with Bodie Miller, or would you rather go to Barcelona, but you got to bunk with Roger Goodell? (laughs) Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Roger Goodell was the deal breaker, wasn't he? Those are my two. That's my favorite North American city and my favorite world city. Right, oh, dude. I'm telling you, the scouting report. We got your scouting report, man. Incredible. Here, we're we're like the New England Patriots. We've turned over every stone. We <laughs> I know, know you, all about you. You guys are nailing it too hard, there, man. Right, next one. Like, next one. You got a tape recorder on. <laughs> Would you rather go to a Nationals game with a bandwagon fan and discuss advanced metrics, or <laughs> ride in an Uber and discuss life with millennials? Uber and millennials is a double no-no. I mean, that's collectively. I, I guess I got to go to a Nats game. See, I'm okay going to Nationals games. I'm not a I'm not an anti-Nationals guy. Um, Just the I like hype. to make fun of them. Yeah. Well, I like to make fun of them because they have announced they're going to win the World Series like two years in a row, and they haven't gotten close to it. But yeah. I don't. But I don't. 
Not only do I not root against them, I, I could I could root for the Nationals whenever they're not playing the Cubs. I love it. I love it. All right, I, I got a question for you. Just you, you've been around sports for so long, as a fan or as someone that was working. What sporting event? When someone says, "What was your favorite sporting event that really stayed with you for a long time?" What would that be? God, there's so many. There's so many. I mean, I, you know, there are Olympic events. I mean, I was at the Ben Johnson Carl Lewis race wow. in 1988. I mean, I, I've been to wow. stuff that. That I, you know, I was at. I mean, I was at every conference finals and finals game that Michael Jordan played. Um, I was at probably I don't know half the conference final, well, half the finals games that Magic Johnson played. I mean, I've been some of the great games of all time. I was at the Villanova Georgetown game, wow. uh, a, a famous game. Uh, so it's man, it's 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 hard. I don't, you know, I, I get asked fairly frequently, you know, about a favorite game. And I guess, look, I was at Usain Bolt. I, I, I'm sitting at the finish line watching Usain Bolt each of the last two Olympics win the 100-yard win the dash. And that's extraordinary. I was also sitting ringside when a piece of Mike Tyson, a piece of Evander Olito's ear came flying toward me. Because I'm sitting there watching going, is that is that like a Tootsie Roll? What is that? <laughs> And so, you know, when you've got that cross-section of things that you've attended from Tyson Holyfield to Michael Jordan hitting the last shot in Utah to, I mean, it's just so, I was at Cal Ripken's record-breaking game um, I mean, back when I covered baseball. So, it, man, I, I, I don't think I dare choose. I, I, I will say this, if we talked about a, uh, an event, a recurring event, I think I'm going to take the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, because each one of them had something that is just completely unforgettable lifetime stuff. Michael Phelps, Mm. Usain Bolt, Ben Johnson, and Carl Lewis. I mean, you know, Greg Luganis back in the day. Uh, Flo Jo. I mean, I was there for for literally front and center for all. Roy Jones in boxing and even before he was Holyfield. Culture impacting. Yes, yes, historic events. And so... I'm gonna go. I'll say Summer Olympics. If I got to pick one event that I would want to continue to be at forever and ever and ever, I guess it'd be the Summer Olympics. It was funny when you were talking about Jordan. Sims's eyes lit up a little bit. That's obviously it, it's <laughs> Jordan is the guy of of our generation. I think where everything he did was perfect. And as someone with Chicago blood that covered all of his games. Is there a story of Jordan that if someone said, who is Michael Jordan, you would tell that defines him? Yeah, yeah, and it's a story of uh, in relationship to a former Texas player named LeBradford Smith, who nobody knows of anymore, who played for the Washington Bullets, not the Wizards, but the Bullets for a few years. And um, Michael famously walked out of the locker room one night after the the teams used to play back-to-back games. So the you know the Bullets would play the Bulls in Chicago one night, and the very next night they play in Washington. And after the first game on a say a Friday night in Chicago, uh, LeBron Smith had 37 points against the Bulls in Chicago, and Michael was guarding him. And Michael walked out, and David Aldridge and I were sitting there, we were covering the game for the Washington Post. And Michael walked out of the locker room. And he said, um, "I'll see you guys in Washington tomorrow night. You're gonna be there, right?" And I was I'm at home in Chicago, in my hometown. I'm taking an extra day. I wasn't gonna come to the game in Washington. And I said, no, Mike, I'm staying here. Why? He goes, I think you want to come. You want to come back to Washington. I said, why? And he said, because your boy the Bradford said, nice game, Mike. He said, nice <laughs> game, Mike. And he, had, how many did he have? And he picked up the box score that David Aldridge and I were caught, were writing from. He picked up the box score. He said he had 37. I want all 37 back in the first half tomorrow night. I think you want to come to Washington. Man, so I, so go I, ahead. I immediately I picked up the phone and I called American Airlines and booked a flight back to Washington. <laughs> and Jordan got 36 of those 37 the next night in the first half and was angry when Phil Jackson took him out at the end of the first half and he didn't get the 37 point. Jordan was angry for like a week. Oh, my, oh my gosh. And and here's the, the kicker. I can't get into the long version of the story because it will take the entire podcast. <laughs> but just know this. Like nine years later, the, the Bullets were still talking. The Bradford Smith, long gone. The team name was second to the Bullets. They were still talking about how they wouldn't talk trash to Michael Jordan because they remembered the Bradford Smith. This is nine years later. Now, fast forward nine years later. The story's played out now over a long period of time, at least 18 years. And Aldridge has just decided that through talking to people and the Bradford Smith and Michael did, never said it. 
that LeBron Smith never said nice game, that Michael just made it up. So we approached Michael one night, and David Aldridge says, okay, well, I have a theory, and you're going to scream at me if I get this wrong, but I just think you made it up. And he never said nice game, Mike, and Jordan says, yeah, that's right. He never said it. He never said nice game, Mike. And the, the, the greatness of the story is this. Not only did Michael need to get himself going so he made up the story, okay, what's more amazing that he made himself believe it, that he made LeBradford Smith believe something that he himself never said. LeBradford Smith, LeBradford Smith never said, I didn't say it. Right. He just said, I don't want to get on his bad side. Right. And he made an entire franchise believe it nine years later. Yeah. And the, the power of that, the power of – people talk about all the things that Michael could do mentally, psychologically, emotionally, the way he could dominate opponents and get under their skin and get into their heads. To me, that's the ultimate example of it, and it's why I, probably above all else I love covering his career is that the mental, the intellectual challenges, the night after night, the gamesmanship, all of the things that we don't talk about now that advanced analytics can't measure um, – all those things were just surreal to be around. They they certainly were. They're they're unbelievable. I mean, just man, I, yeah, he's my favorite athlete of all time. It's hard to hard to discuss that. By the way, I just want to tell you, man, did your suit and stuff look good on the show today? I mean, you <laughs> can't you, hide money, you. Mike Wilbon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too much. But okay, I just I want to ask you another just you know basic sports question. Just give me one or two of your favorite personalities right now in sports that you come across and you're just always like, oh, wow, he's funny, or I love being around him doing an interview. Well, I mean, there, there, there have been people like that who aren't the best players, aren't yeah. the most famous players. Right. You know, uh, I, you know, John Barry, who I got to know covering him and, you know, have worked with him for years and still do, John Barry makes fun of me all the time because he said I would walk in the locker room and always get to know the crazies. And and I, I I've been accused of that whether it's football baseball basketball whatever I was covering at the time, and so there are I don't call them the crazy they, they, maybe they're a little different personalities but they're fun to talk to guys like Ron Artest sure. you know who's one of my favorite guys to talk to um, you know there's a list there's a guy who never makes that list which was Dennis Rodman I was afraid didn't want to talk to Rodman at all <laughs> but there there are certainly I call them guys who color outside the lines and they were always personable. Um, and people didn't necessarily think of them as go-to guys to, to talk to for reporters. But for me, you know, they were. Um, and that included a generation of, of, of NFL and NBA players in locker rooms because I was in those more often than not, even though I did it in baseball too. So, you know, right now, man, I, I'm going to be seeing guys color outside the lines if I name anybody right now. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. But 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 there are, you know, it, it is it would be the Ron Artest Award for me, um, somebody that people would sort of look at with raised eyebrows, and to me those were always the guys that I sort of most wanted to talk to. Yeah, I hear you. The Marshawn Lynches, the Marshawn Lynches of the world. Well, see, you know that's what? Different. That's a great example of who would not be on that list <laughs> <laughs> because he because he, he he's not interested in engaging. You yeah. know what I mean? He doesn't want to. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm talking about guys who, you know, one guy is kind of weird that I talked to and then I didn't get along with, and then now I I, I seem to get along with. Him. Maybe I didn't appreciate him enough. Was ter- was Terrell Owens, a guy who certainly was colored outside the lines. Um, and there were times where I, you know, he, he probably I'm sure didn't want to speak to me and vice versa. And there were times I did. He was one of the great guests we've had on PTI uh, back during his. You know, one of those summers he was out doing uh, lifting weights in his garage. We had we had T.O. on. Yeah, I'm, I'm an so, Eagles yeah, fan. I, I always I, sort I of like those that. like those characters. Yeah, um, Mike, I, I got to ask you. I work with Sims every day. We're on the set. We're having sports debates. We're arguing, and I think you and Tony and what you guys did on PTI. It's so natural. It's so smooth, and I'm sure everyone's talked to you about it before. I'm curious. You're at the post. What was the first sports discussion slash debate that you guys ever had? Do you remember it? Well, no, no, I, I couldn't possibly. But I will just say this: you know, it wouldn't have been during my internship summer because I, I was too mild mannered to, you know, Tony was too crazy. Tony's just like he is now, you know, and it was 35 years ago. I wouldn't have had the, you know, I was too timid to to walk up and engage. <laughs> At that point, it would have been it would have been maybe a year or so later when I came back 
permanently. And I guarantee you this, it would have been something on college basketball because I was covering college basketball, and I was one of the beat writers for the Washington Post covering college basketball. And that meant Georgetown and Patrick Ewing uh, largely in the Big East and the formation of it, the early days of it. Gary Williams was the coach at American University you know, small private school here in D.C. and right. winning 26 games one year, 24 and 6 maybe. And so all those those huge names were already in play. The nation didn't know them. We knew they were here in D.C. And it would have been something about that because as a columnist, Tony would come to those games and sit with me, and I had to be the know-it-all and tell him no, he was wrong because I knew what was going on in that locker room with and fill in the blank. So it would have been that. It would have been, you know, University of Maryland, Buck Williams, I think, was on the team uh, my first year covering it. And, and so lots of professionals have passed through um, those teams I was a beat writer for. So it would, have been, it would have been something to do with college, local college basketball in D.C., although God knows there's zero way I can remember all the things we argued about. And then back, I covered baseball. I covered the, the Orioles and Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray were on that team and leading, and Tony would come and write columns, and we'd sit there and get into it. So, yeah, just like you guys are doing this on various topics every day of the week, that's what, you know, people do in lock, you know, after they get out of locker rooms. And the fun thing is when you find players, active players who like to engage, and it's harder now because social media and people, oh. bloggers and people taking folks out of context, it's just, it was much more that way in a football locker room, too. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, for instance, you know, it's one of the ways I got to know, you know, Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor. And because of covering the Redskins, being around Redskins and Giants games, you could be in the locker room. I would go up to the Giants facility. I would be in the locker room covering for the Washington Post. And if guys knew you and trusted, you can get into all kinds of fun debates. And they wouldn't necessarily be about the NFL week. They could right. be about anything. Right. But that's how I got to know the veteran players. When they, and they get to know whether they can trust you or not. When you can talk about everything. Have an opinion, but be respectful. Be mindful of where you are and who you're talking to and still have a good time. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because now that you said that, I think of my dad and just I can remember being in the locker room many a times with him with Mike Lupica or Steve Serby yeah. and they just be shooting the shooting the shit about whatever. Not necessarily and getting now, a Chris, formal interview. Think how long that's gone on. Think right. how long that's they just they gone for forty years, and it was so much fun back then too. But but see, he knew those guys. It was right. a handful of guys, and now I mean, you you can walk you can walk in the championship Giants locker room or Bears locker room, Forty Nine ers locker room, and they'd be the same cast of characters. Now in this day and age we live, and thank God for it, it's propelled people like Tony and me to places we never thought possible. But we, you can't have that. And I understand that the players who would maybe even the guys who would love to do that understand they can't do it anymore. There's TMZ lurking in a the corner. There's somebody with a cell phone who's capturing part of the conversation, but not all of it. Yeah. And so it's too bad. But we, man, I, I the, just that scene you're describing, I would love to be part of that, whether it was with Joe Seisman and John Riggins here in Washington or Walter Payton and Jim McMahon in Chicago or – Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor or Carl Banks or all, any or all of the Giants that I got to know in that time, whether it was those guys, that would really fundamentally build who we, who we are now on television. Awesome. Mike, you are the man. We will say hi to Morrell for you. We appreciate you letting us have him, my friend. I just wait. I want to know his final four. I can't let him go without knowing his final four. I got to hear it. I got to hear Mike. so I- bad. My bracket is awful. I had Iowa State. That's awesome. See, Virginia. I'm even happier to hear it now. Oh, it's awful. But I got Wisconsin beating Kentucky in the Final Four. Right, well, and it's not because I don't think Kentucky's the best team. I do think Kentucky's the best team. But I'm competitive. I want to win the damn pool. And you're not going to win the pool picking Kentucky. Right. So I picked Wisconsin to beat Kentucky. I picked Iowa State in the finals. What a what an idiot. Oh. Um I just I know just enough to be dangerous. Whereas my seven year old son picked UCLA and put them in the regional final. So he's right now he's seven. He turned seven yesterday. His bracket's better than mine. Love That's it. Put that in place. <laughs> That's right. Ain't that the truth? Mike, thanks for joining us so much, man. Really much appreciated. We're big fans of yours. Good luck going forward. You guys, man. thank you very much for having me. And just you know, make Morel do some work. Please. I will. We'll get him to work. We'll Don't him. worry. All See right. You, sounds man. good. Thank you, man. See Have you a good day. Bye bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. How's your bracket doing, Sims? Uh, my bracket's actually doing pretty good. My biggest hits were, of course, I did have Villanova in the final four on that side. So I have three of my final four left. What was my other? Oh, my other big hit is I kind of had SMU making a run to the final eight and losing to Duke. Gotcha. So those were my two big hits. I, I think the all my majors are still there. I had a Kentucky-Duke final and Kentucky winning it. 
Will Bond's a cool dude. He is a cool dude. He's one of my favorite guys on sports of what he does because I, I first of all, I, he doesn't claim to know it all, uh, which I always love. Um, he's a normal guy. I yeah. think it comes across right there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just don't think he's too. But is the word presumptuous just to throw crap out there to see if it sticks in the media sure. world, the Twitter world? He's. I think one thing he said that I'm very jealous of is. There was a time when you could go into a locker room and talk to guys and enjoy it and establish relationships. And the thing that I think about now is a guy, a, a young journalist, let's say, let's say you know, a 25, 26, even 30-year-old journalist going into a locker room, if they had a conversation with, let's say, Eli Manning about Jordan, to them, it wouldn't mean anything because they didn't get it on camera. Right. Or as soon as they finished, they'd feel the need to get on Twitter and tweet what Eli said. And the sanctity of having a conversation isn't there anymore. And I don't know if it's because of our self-importance and how we need to put everything out there so that it helps us. Showing me talk with Eli about Jordan will get more tweets and, and retweets and stuff. But I also think it's like, expectations of the media instead of just writing one article you have to have an article you have to have a few blogs then you have to post a video and it's like you need content and and i see these athletes today and i think about the shermans and the marshawn lynches and the russell westbrooks and the kevin durants who have strongly rejected a lot of media and i think we had alonzo morning in here yesterday and alonzo morning sat down and looked so exhausted he's doing a, t a tour for dove soap right and I asked him, I, I said, you know, how many have you done already? He goes, five. And I go, what, what do you think about all this stuff? He goes, it's all about brands, man. I said, what well, is like this when you play? And he goes, everybody's trying to sell something. Because athletes are realizing you're using everything I say to build your company. Every quote I get pumps your business. I want money. And so everything is measured and meticulous. You can't even ask who's going to win the Mayweather or Pacquiao fight or else you're going to try and do something with it. And I just think about... How, how much fun it would be to be in a, a Bulls locker room in the 90s, sitting there with Jordan, and listening to him just talk, and not having to do anything yeah, with right. that, that kind of caught the end of that. I got to be a part of that in the NFL. Did you? Yeah, because Twitter didn't Twitter come out until the, my very end of the, my career. It might have been yeah. my last year in football. I mean, I don't even know, actually, 2010 was, was people tweeting. I think that's when Twitter and Facebook was really going to 2008. Right. So I, I had relationships with some of the sports writers in Tampa when I was Ugh. a starting quarterback. Uh, when Jay Glazier, Fox Sports, came into town, me and Rondé Barber went and hung out with them, and we'd eat lunch with them, and then after practice we'd probably have a beer or two with them too. Same with right. Adam Scheffner, Chris Mortensen. Right. You could have relationships with these guys. Uh, yeah, I do. I think it's a lost art, Look, and we, it's, I think it's disservicing the, the player almost oh. more than anything because now he's got nobody to stick up for him behind the scenes or in the media yes. that knows what kind of player I'd a person I'd is. I'd also say this. There's a great article on Grantland about why Westbrook is, is acting like this, and he got into a fight or something like that with a reporter. And the reporter had a quote at the very end. He goes, the thing that's the worst is I just want to tell his story. No one knows him. They only know the sound bites that are coming out. And you don't get to tell a person's story when they're trying to sell something. And that's what stinks. This is usually the time when Steven Nelson comes in. But I don't know who this person is because they don't look like Steven Nelson. They look sharp. They look smooth. Did you get a haircut, you dirty dog? Dude? Oh, my yeah, God. I, he uh, didn't cut his hair this time. No. Yeah, so the backstory of why they're making fun of me. <laughs> I've cut my own hair since junior high. Junior high, this yeah. man has been, and you've been on camera. I know. Every every now and again, I'd mess up, and I'd have to go in, <laughs> uh, but I never wanted to go get it. How haircut. does a man cut his own hair? How do you do that? So, I, you know, you get in the shower, and you get out. Instead of, like, drying it with a towel, I would just, like, fan it out with a, a comb or whatever I had. Would you use, and like, the I'd... Wayne's World, like, suck vac? No. <laughs> no. You know what? In the early stages, that that is what I did, but I just lean over. And then just kind of like, up. yeah, just kind of with would, scissors. With scissors, you yeah, would lean your head horizontally. What he did because yeah. we're what? in an audio yeah, meeting, right. yeah, yeah. he would lean over horizontally, I'm, and I, then yeah. as the hair was dangling, he would cut it. Yeah. So if I'm cutting the right side, I'm leaning to my right. If I'm cutting the left side, I'm, I'm leaning to the left. If it's the back, uh, I'm just like feeling it out. Wow, that's a or, steady or hand. Try, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. So it was very stupid. 
Um, How do you feel right now? I felt violated getting the haircut. Like, why? Because it was just like, why is this guy, touch, why is this stranger touching my head so aggressively? I used to go to men, now I go to women. Don't go to any strip clubs then. So it was a Russian named Ilya, he, I, and I, he did a good job, but I just I think he did I a feel, great job. I feel I weird. I tell you, you look good, dude. Thanks, man. You look good, dude. Yeah. You're I, a New Yorker I, now. You well, look like you lost like three pounds. I, I, I do feel lighter <laughs> as well. Um, Okay, DJ Frederick, come on, spin that shit. We're having audio problems today. DJ Frederick is like DJ. It's very what? low. I know. But I feel like that fits. He's still, that- DJ, you know, Frederick is like, <laughs> he's really down because his Maryland Terps lost last weekend. Oh, yeah. Bam, they're sitting at home with Texas just- watching Sweet 16 on TV tonight. Yes, hey, sir. You're just like Syracuse right now. Ah! We suspended ourselves from the tournament. Yes. Oh, man. He's really getting upset. He was a sad turtle. Hey, you know what? Sure. One of the first things Wilbon talked about was Maryland basketball. Yeah, so you should be all to. good about that. All right. Spin Speaking of college basketball, legendary North Carolina coach Dean Smith. I love this story. Still impacting the lives of Tar Heels. The late coach wrote in his will to give $200 checks to each of his former players, about 180 former letter winners. Now, the message was, enjoy dinner compliments of Coach Smith. If you got $200 from Dean Smith and had to spend it all on a meal, you cannot go to McDonald's and then pocket the rest. Right. Where are you going and what are you eating? Okay. You want to go first, foodie? If I had $200 and I could eat anywhere. Ooh, baby. You um, have to spend it all. I have to spend it all? I have to spend it all. Um, I would, I'll tell you what, one of my first meals out at Bleach Report, we went to the homestead. And it was with the college football team. We were getting ready for National Signing Day. And it was the last big night out that Bleacher Report had because we went in there. It's a famous steakhouse in New York. And we sit down. There's like 15 of us. And the waiter comes out and he goes, what would everybody like? And he came out really intense. And everyone, we've been talking to each other. We had a drink. And we're all kind of looking at the menu. And he goes, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll bring some stuff out for the table. And we're like, what a great guy. Brought out like lobster towers yeah and, and i look over at joe who's like the edit like the big man around here and he his it looked like his heart dropped into his stomach there was half pound meatballs and all this stuff and 200 200 appetizer it was a 200 appetizer like yeah. pretty much right. but i would love to go there and just have a nice steak and a nice a nice bottle of wine and just sit back and that that to me would be a great meal uh, that's a pretty good one uh i'm trying to you're think. not invited okay yeah i don't want to go with him anyways <laughs> uh, I think, oh, I had to share it? I think I would um, – hmm, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I I would make it a really nice restaurant, yeah. especially if he was my coach and I've actually felt like, oh, I sure. liked my coach and he was special yeah. to me. Uh, maybe – you guys don't even know this. I'm going to go real top-end New York City right here. You guys ever heard of Le Bernadin? I feel like I have. But Le Bernadin is – one yeah, of the I, finest. I went there last weekend. Did you really? It's not that top end. Really? Don't, don't show off. Yeah. Not, Are you top serious? Top no, you I'm really? completely kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, man, La Berna Dan's like one of the best restaurants I've ever been to in any part of the world. So, hold on. Set the scene. Uh, La Berna Dan. What is it like walking Famous into? French chef. I don't know what his name is. Um, Where is it in the city? It's not far from here. Uh, it's been it's a while since I've been there. but Notice how Sims is looking at me now. Yeah, like, I know well, where it is. More recently. <laughs> Weren't you there last week? That was a complete joke. Oh, total joke. Yeah, I did not go there. <laughs> but total <laughs> foo-foo French restaurant, something that you would think I would never, le- yeah. never eat or yeah, like. Yeah, you even eat But it's one bananas. of those places that my wife just said shut up and like just shove Trust it in your mouth. This. Yeah. Don't, even a- don't listen to what they say it is. Just put it in your mouth. You're going to yeah. like it. Yeah. That's what she said. And – um, no, that's literally what Danielle said. Yeah, it is. It's what she said. Yeah. And um, but it's like eight course meals, not huge servings. Wow. But the food is absolutely can, can unbelievable. You, it would probably only be two hundred dollars for my meal. If I, I was going to say, else. how serious was that? Yeah, it's a, it's it's like I think Le Bernardin Danielle uh, is a really famous French okay. restaurant here in the city, and Per Se, which is in the Time Warner building. Yes. Man, you're gonna break some major banks. You're to talking go. like a thousand dollar dinner. Yeah, probably. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. The thing about those restaurants that stinks for me is I'd rather go to a steakhouse and like have all these food. I feel like I'd go there and it would be like, here is a crouton doused in a duck fart, <laughs> sprinkled with the saliva of a western coyote, and yeah. you're like, th- and you like put it in your mouth, but like. I but you're like, a- oh, my gosh, that's delicious. Can I have more duck fart, please? <laughs> <laughs> Just let, bring the duck out and let him fart in my mouth. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I Listen, I'm a picky eater. Are you writing a note? You're going to cut out the duck fart? All right, good. Okay. Next. 
Okay. Oh, geez, yeah, don't worry about our show or anything. Yeah, dork. All right, Fenwick, spin Next that track, track. Please. He did get you, though. That was pretty funny. I thought he went. Is <laughs> that that typo? Ron Artest, Metal World Peace. Oh, we just talked about it. The Panda's Friend. Yep. No, oh, we don't know this. Those are his names. Signed with a basketball team in Italy after a stint in China. Now, this Italian franchise is calling it the coup of the century, signing Artest. Again, Meta World Peace, the Panda's friend. If you were to change your name to a non-generic name, like the ones we all have, what would it be? Oh, this is a good question. Damn. I wish I would have had a little time to think about this. That's like what I think. So you want me to come up with a Meta you, World Peace. And you can't change it day to day. So you, I once you change it, you're it. stuck with it. Yeah. Oh, man. Seriously, I Nelson, your questions are so good that sometimes I'm like, I wish I had like a like a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold that. I, I gotta have something mm. here. Hmm. Meta world peace, or wow. the panda's friend. He changes name to the panda's friend. He's holding up the jersey, and the back of it says the panda's friend. He changed his name to the panda's friend when he went to China. Wow. For some reason, it is fun to say. I wanted to start off with crouching tiger and then go somewhere else. But I feel like it would be like, man, I don't know what would be full tummy rumpskin. I don't know. I don't know either. What would you have one for? You? Blonde bomber. <laughs> Can we go back to full tummy rumpskin? <laughs> it's like Rumpelstiltskin combined with the Native American thing. Full tummy. <laughs> yeah, I just been sleeping for a long time. <laughs> full tummy rumpskin. I'm gonna go with that. Tummy rumskin. Uh, full, no, full tummy rumskin. Full tummy. When have I ever been empty tummy rumskin? <laughs> yeah. Not often. Not often. Not You're right. Often. You buy those snacks a lot. Sims literally walked by me today, and I was staring in the refrigerator, and he goes, any of that in there yours? I go, no. He goes, close the door. And I was like, just, I just staring at it. He's just like, well, which one looks good in my mouth? Which one will it be? I mean, just a gross Bleacher Report refrigerator. Who knows what is in there with this group we got it's working like around here? String cheese, strawberries, I mean, and cream. This is a glorified. Uh, it's a bunch of barbarian house. Sims. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I don't know what my nickname would be though. I, I, I need more time on that one. Jersey's finest, blonde bomber, Jersey strong, um, shine Sims. Um, shine. Shine. I almost you know the rapper Shine. I always told my wife we're going to name my little boy Shine Sims. You liked Shine? He's <laughs> the one that sounded like Biggie, right? He's I, like, I, oh, yeah. Full Tommy Rumskin and Shine like, yeah, Sims. We're going to listen to Shine. I was 20 this. years old. I was like, I think we're going to name our son that Shine Sims. And she's yeah, like, what? Did what? She say? You're not marrying me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real happy I asked that one. Yeah. Full Tommy <laughs> Rumskin and Shine Sims. Shine Sims. <laughs> <laughs> you got to change the podcast name now, Fendrick. Yeah, I like that. All right, last one. WrestleMania 31. This Sunday, Levi's Stadium, Santa Clara, California. The headline main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns. But Sims what would, has no idea. No way. But <laughs> what would your finishing move be? What, what are their finishing call? moves? I know Roman he, Reigns is the spear. The spear. Oh, what does that do? What's he, he do? He just runs through folks. Like Goldberg did. Yeah, basically. You don't oh, know who like that Goldberg is. did? Oh, man, that was a Les- hell of a move. Lesnar's... Oh, I wish we had a Cavassier. Was it like the spear it's arrow like, or something like that? Roman Reigns? No, yeah, no, no. His uh, is like... He puts some dudes on the shoulder and then he like spins them around. And first, let's establish, down. do you like wrestling? Have you ever had a wrestling stage? Yeah, I, I maybe for like a year when I was like seven years old with Hulk Hogan. According to Google, Brock Lesnar's finishing move is the spin-out fireman's carry face buster. Ooh. The F5. Ooh, the F5. Mine would be uh, the headlock noogie. I would noogie them to death. Did you ever... Were Come you on, a- wrestling. Wrestling. You, you didn't have a wrestling stage. Yeah, I did. I told you when I, I was seven. For I know, a few but weeks. for me, it was like 12. Until my dad 13. told me, you know, that's not real. And I went, what? <laughs> what? Big Phil you mean Ruin? Hulk Hogan's not real? He's Dude, not really throwing these guys around? Big, Big the Phil Ruin wrestling game? He told it for me. And I was like, damn, he's right. That He didn't punch him there. I started watching closely. Ugh. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, but you, it's so ridiculous that it's amazing. 
Like the Rock and Stone Cold, the Generation X, like Mankind, Undertaker, like, Kane. It's amazing for like thirty seconds, and then are you? I just don't know how you could do it. I don't know how you could do it. I appreciate the trash talking in wrestling a lot, like in the storylines and all that nonsense. But how do you go buy a ticket? In I don't the buy tickets top ten no. row in the first ten rows and go watch something that you know is not real. Yeah, that's kind of tough. They're right in front of you. I've I've been to some events where I've like gotten like backstage because like media stuff, and like Scott Steiner, Big Papa Pump oh, is there. There's some good athletes. I'm but, not taking oh, away from not them. Only that to see how roided out these guys are up close <laughs> is so amazing, right. dude. I had beers with the Road Dog Jesse James. You have no oh, idea man. who that is, yes. but for me, that was an know? incredible moment in my you life. Better call somebody. Sorry, is that the badass guy? Billy Gunn. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know? There it is. Oh, I, feel like, uh, oh, I feel like I've heard that. So the finishing move, you would go with the headlock noogie. Yeah. yeah. It's really intimidating. And um, <laughs> I'm going to create a move right now. I would do somewhat of a China where I would reach in and I would hold their manhood. See? And I would walk around the ring and I'd taunt them. And then I would swing it into a, into a stunner. A stone cold oh, stunner. Oh man! You would yeah. take him uh, by the nuts. Flip him I was over gonna go perverted stun? too, but I just was like, I'm gonna. I just want to have one where it's savage. like he's sure where I'm just walking around like. A guy named Rikishi, he would like yes. hike up his. Or his, Yokozuna did it yeah, too. He would Yokozuna just sit on people's heads. Drop, but Rikishi would just stick his ass in dudes' faces. <laughs> And it, it got real weird there. I think today started off really slow. I'll be honest. Josh, your audio, it was all over the place. But Will Bond came on, smoothed it out, talked, told a story about Jordan yes. that I think was awesome. Told so many stories. I know. About we should have talked about that more. We'll, we'll talk about it in real life. This okay. podcast is for everybody else. Send any of your questions. Well, who's the guy? Bragent? Bagent? Bajan. Mike Bajant, I think. Mike Bajan at is the 007, man. something yes. like that. Yeah. Send, send us your tweets to at Sims and Lufko. Josh is going to collect them all week. I want to make sure we get to them all, but next week we are going to do the Sims and Lefko mock draft of Palooza. We're going to break down a lot of picks. We will still be breaking down the draft as we get closer. I know Josh is worried about timeliness and all that stuff, but I want to go pick for pick for pick for pick, and we're going to break down every team. Thank you for listening. Sim, say goodbye. 10 4, goodbye. 10 4, goodbye. Steven, say goodbye. He's waving. Josh, yeah, new say goodbye. Oh, he's so cute. Josh, Josh says at home I'm watching out of the it. games tonight. I'm Lefko. Peace out. Have a great week.